It's Monday, and that so happens to be the day that I like to talk about monsters. Hello, and welcome to Monster Mondays. I'm Jeff Arbuckle, co-host of the podcast Film Seizure that you can catch at filmseizure.com or at a number of podcast providers online. Let's go to 1932, the early golden age of sound horror films. Todd Browning had just come off a smash hit, Dracula, which pretty much launched Universal's classic monster cycle. The following year, 1932, uh, Browning had previously urged MGM to purchase the rights to Todd Robbins' short story Spurs, um, and Harry Earls, the dwarf actor who had appeared in an early Browning film, wanted to make a film version of that short story and made the suggestion to Browning back in the 20s. And once Dracula hit big, MGM hired Browning to direct the film that would go on to become Freaks. Uh, now, I do want to uh, mention that because this is Monster Mondays, the title characters, the so-called freaks, aren't really our monster. Our monsters are the people who are conspiring against the sideshow folk that uh, that really kind of turn out to be the people that we root for and that we actually ultimately end up really kind of liking and, and uh, not being repulsed by at all. But... I digress. Uh, Browning was so devoted to the idea of freaks that he actually turned down other higher profile films for MGM. Browning had intimate knowledge of traveling carnivals and circuses. He had worked with one before going into film. So he wanted this to be accurate and properly portrayed. Initially, Myrna Loy and Gene Harlow were considered for roles in the film, but MGM's production supervisor, Irving Thalberg, opted to go with more unknown people. Sadly, there were some issues on set and in test screenings. On-set actors had to be kind of segregated from these so-called freaks because some of the uh, quote-unquote normal people were getting sick while eating with them. That's bad, but the test screening was an absolute disaster. People didn't just walk out. They ran out of screening. Some fainted. Some got sick. Uh, it was said that even one woman claimed that she was going to sue the studio because she said she had a miscarriage because of what she saw. Ultimately, the movie, which was originally meant to be around 90 minutes or so, uh, was cut down to only about 64 minutes. The uh, cut out 26 minutes is considered lost, um, and I would love to see that footage because while this is a great movie, it, it, it goes by very quickly, and you barely blink, and you're in those last uh, four minutes in the climax of the movie. So I would love to see more of the intricacies that were put into the film. But anyway, still, the movie was met with controversy despite being cut down. It was outright banned in the UK until uh, I think the early 60s or so before they actually showed it there. Uh, it got pulled from certain markets in the US. It was a box office bomb. However, Interestingly, Freaks did prove to do better in smaller cities in the U.S. as opposed to the larger ones. At the time of its release, it was generally re negatively received by audiences. Critics were a little bit more divided, and some felt that this was ultimately exploiting carnival and circus performers. Despite MGM trying to soften the image of the film, 
by saying it is actually compassionate toward the various abnormal performers, that didn't stop people from already holding a negative opinion. Those who were negative toward the film, as far as critics were concerned, felt that this was utterly deplorable and anyone who found entertainment value in it needed to be locked away in an asylum. However, a trio of New York critics were particularly positive about the movie. They recognized the quality and the intent of the film's narrative themes. Decades later, Freaks is considered to be one of the finest films ever made at the time of its release. Later critics, uh, able to view the film in its proper context, could see the themes of classism, disabilities, and eugenics. Uh, Some still see the proper terror aspects, but it does call into question whether or not this is actually a horror film. Yes, there are things to feel uncomfortable about. There are things that will make you recoil. But it's more of a study of lives that we don't really understand as a society. There is a culture within these carnival folk and circus folk that um, doesn't it really look all that dissimilar to ours. Uh, but we only ever see these characters in their sideshow personas. So it is shocking to us to see that life that's kind of created and how everybody kind of meshes together really, really well. I mean, it is a little disturbing at times, sure. However, it has much more to say about the normality of the abnormal. In the decades since its release, Freaks was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry. It's considered today to be one of Browning's greatest films. Browning uh, had achieved a certain stature among French intellectuals because of this movie. Film critic Derek Malcolm wrote that it's a damning antidote to the cult of physical perfection and an extraordinary tribute to the community of so-called freaks who made up the cast. It's been referenced all over the place and certainly a movie that really does have something to say. And for what it does have to say, uh, it starts with a carnival barker saying that this attraction is not lying when it claims to have monstrosities who have not asked to be born. But if you offended one of these attractions, you will ultimately offend all of them. He shows what he calls the worst of all the monstrosities he has to show. And he says that she was once the most beautiful woman in the world, a trapeze artist named Cleopatra. One of the little people at the carnival, Hans, uh, as it flashes back, is quite taken by Cleopatra. In fact, it's a little bit of a problem because he is actually engaged to another little person named Frida. And Frida kind of picks up on something going on between Cleopatra and her uh, fiancé, despite him saying that he only has eyes for Frida. Various attractions are treated poorly by other circus performers and some of the locals. Many of the performers prefer to uh, kind of refer to them as mangy freaks, quote-unquote. So when locals see the sideshow attractions, they react to them by referring to them as monsters and so forth. As the early part of the movie continues, you start to see the relationships within the troupe that travel around. Some of the performers have relationships with others. The sideshow attractions also have relatively normal lives within the confines of the traveling circus. One of the circus performers, uh, 
or of the circus performers, I should say, there are two relationships that start up in these early minutes. Forso, a clown, and Venus, a seal trainer, and Cleopatra and Hercules, the circus strongman. It's Cleopatra and Hercules who ultimately prove to be quite villainous and kind of vicious. When they have a romantic interlude interrupted by the peeping half-man, half-woman, Hercules punches the sideshow attraction person in the face while Cleopatra laughs. Venus knows there's something wrong with Hans and Frida's relationship and knows that Cleopatra is on the make for Hans and tries to calm Frida's concerns about it. However, Cleopatra continues to flirt and play up to Hans, uh, despite barely able to disguise her mocking laughter. Uh, Some of the sideshow folks start to point out that Cleopatra is a really not so great person and is only giving Hans the time of day because he buys her things. Forso and Roscoe, the stuttering clown, who I do really believe is possibly a uh, Roscoe the stuttering clown is possibly the um, inspiration for Porky Pig because he does the exact same things with the stuttering and exchanges easier quote unquote easier words for words that have more syllables in them he's a he's a great character but uh, they see Hans leaving Cleopatra's trailer late at night Frida comes to Hans and begs him to stop talking to Cleopatra. She says that the whole circus is making a joke out of their relationship. While that doesn't seem to bother Hans, it definitely affects Frida. Frida even goes to Cleopatra and to beg her to basically stop using Hans for his money. It's at that point that Cleopatra and Hercules concoct a plan to seduce Hans for that wealth and then poison him to inherit all his riches. And Cleopatra is successful. Cleopatra and Hans marry, and she immediately begins poisoning his champagne. Cleopatra gets shit-faced drunk at the wedding reception, and she's laughing uncontrollably at the various quote-unquote freaks celebrating. Uh, She even goes so far as to kiss Hercules in front of everyone, revealing that they have an affair with one another. She then calls Hans right to his face, her little green-eyed monster. But then, Cleopatra's nightmare truly begins. The freaks decide to make her one of them. The realization of this while they all chant, we accept her, we accept her, one of us, one of us, goobble gobble, over and over and over causes her to subtly change her expression to one of utter disdain. She tells the freaks to leave and basically throws their uh, ceremonial drink that they were all sharing while making her one of them in their faces. She then belittles Hans in front of them by basically treating him like a child. It might be a nightmare for Cleopatra to become one of the freaks, but it's a heartbreaking realization for Hans to see how Cleopatra and Hercules actually have a relationship and how they treated them basically as one big joke to her. Hans collapses and the doctor reveals that he's suffering from a form of poisoning and at first it seems as though Cleopatra has kind of gotten off the hook by basically saying, oh, you know, did I do the right thing by giving him water or something like that? And, he, and the doctor does agree that, he, that she probably did save his life. But the various other members of the Sideshow community start to plan how to set things right. 
Venus also threatens Hercules with going to the police unless someone comes clean with what was put into the champagne to make Hans sick. Hans, though, is wise to Cleopatra's plan, and when she gives him medicine that she's poisoned, he begins to spit it out and begins to plot with some of the other Sideshow folk on how to get revenge. Whenever Cleopatra and Hercules move about the circus grounds, they are watched closely by the other Sideshow people. Uh, the sideshow folks peering out from under the wagons and trailers and staring at them is actually pretty unsettling. It's clear that they are no fans of these jerks and prove uh, what was said earlier about how if you offend one, you offend them all. As the circus travels, travels to the next town, Forso discovers that Hercules plans to kill Venus because of what she knows of his and Cleopatra's plans. Uh, meanwhile, Hans reveals that he knows that Cleopatra has been attempting to poison him to death. Due to a rainstorm going on while the circus is traveling, this causes the wagon that Hans and, and Cleopatra and a couple of the other sideshow folk are in, uh, it causes it to topple over. This allows Cleopatra to escape into the forest. Forso barely escapes Hercules with the help of some of the other freaks who descend upon him with knives in their mouths. Uh, it's shown later that Cleopatra was indeed captured and the freaks uh, gouged out one of her eyes and cut her tongue out. They permanently tarred and feathered her, thus making her the human duck and something that should be shrieked at and rejected in a sideshow. Later, we see that Hans is living in a mansion alone and refuses to see anyone, but Forso, Venus, and Frida insist, and the two little people reconcile. But let's get to the three things I like about Freaks. First of all, I really like the first half of the movie, where we uh, can basically see the lives of all of the people in the circus. Now, some of those people are very kind and enjoying their lives. Some are the jerks, like the actual quote-unquote normal people who uh, consider the freaks to be ugly and something to be uh, kept at a distance and so forth. But to me, all of this is so much more interesting than an actual circus. We don't see any of these people perform. We see some of them uh, do uh, some practice and some rehearsals and stuff like that, but we never actually see the circus performing. These are people who are who either through abnormality, the need for a job, um, or they possess uh, some looks or actually have some sort of talent, are just simply working a job not too far off uh, from anyone else needing to make a living. However, they may be different or have different professions. You see how they make a life in their trailers and uh, being in a different place every few days or so. You can see how these people live. Uh, there's an entire scene where you see Forso talking to a man with no arms and legs, and you see how he is able to get himself a cigarette and pull out a match from the match or from the matchbox, and then how he lights that match to light his cigarette. It's utterly fascinating, uh, but not in an exploitative way. It makes you think about what you take for granted with normal height or all four of your limbs and so on. Second, I really do like Forzo and uh, Venus, played by Wallace Ford and Leela Himes. Um, they are the 
perfect contrast to Cleopatra and Hercules. You hate them, but um, you know, whereas the, the Cleopatra and Hercules seem to be mostly engaged in physical and debaucherous relationships, um, Forso and Venus are actually kind of sweet. They do have a um, they do have a, a chemistry with one another that that seems uh, to have some friction in it, um, but they're they are kind to the sideshow people and treat them with respect and almost feel like they're part of the community and the family and the inner circle of that side of the circus. Um, they're a couple that you want to watch whenever they're on screen together. Part of it is how you're seeing their relationship begin and they have a really nice chemistry between them that uh, makes their dialogue back and forth seem really pretty natural. It's certainly on the brighter side of the movie, along with the general happy time scene when the sideshow folks are spending time together. It's, it's nice to have that in contrast to Cleopatra and Hercules. Thirdly, the climax of this movie is amazing. While it is while its cut-up runtime means that the conclusion comes awfully fast and goes by very quickly, it's still a fairly thrilling, uh, thrilling five minutes or so. First, you have Hans confronting Cleopatra and the wagon being overturned, giving her a way to try to escape. But then the freaks are chasing after her, and the ones who are uh, you know, kind of crawling slowly but surely towards Hercules is almost nightmarish. Nightmarish. Uh, it's not because the freaks are people to be feared, uh, but in a way, it's more of a karmic thing. You are seeing uh, Hercules's, uh, you know, kind of ugly little actions and guilt coming for him. For Cleopatra and Hercules, the personification of those ugly thoughts and actions are the people they mocked for not being strong or beautiful to them and like they perceive themselves. It's terrifying because it's slow and deliberate. They are coming for the bad guys and they want them to feel their revenge. It's short, but it's iconic, and there's a lot you can pull from that and you want these jerks to get their comeuppance. The freaks coming for Cleopatra and Hercules is far more memorable to me than knowing that she was later turned into the human duck at another sideshow. Well, that wraps up this week's Monster Mondays. You can catch new episodes of Monster Mondays each Monday afternoon at FilmSeizure.com, as well as new episodes of Film Seizure each Wednesday morning, um, also at FilmSeizure.com. Don't forget to follow Film Seizure at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to Film Seizure to get both the Film Seizure podcast and Monster Mondays at your favorite podcast providers, as well as YouTube. You can also check out my website, bmovieanima.com, to read new articles every Friday morning. Next time, join me for a forgotten sequel that checks in on, a, on the royal offspring of one of the greatest giants of all time in 1933's Son of Kong. Until next week... Stay spooky.